They were two, just down just a bit, they were two young married couples, Christians, who spent a lot of time together, attended church together, took weekend trips, went skiing, attended Christmas parties, went to dinners, celebrated some birthday celebrations together. Bill had quit nurturing his wife and had some significant marriage problems. Bill was also very attracted to his good friend, George's wife, but never told anyone. One evening, the two couples were looking at some pictures of their latest trip. Sharing the computer screen, Bill's hand brushed against George's wife's hand, then he paused. Their eyes met. Both felt a thrill, long lost. Temptation. John was a young, intelligent professional, an up-and-coming engineer in a progressive, growing company. There was plenty of room for opportunity, advancement, and promotion. One day, his, his boss asked him to do something that required telling a lie. He did it quickly without giving it a second thought. While pondering his actions later, he considered his options. His boss would likely ask him to do the same thing again. Refusing could seriously affect his job, his future salary, his ambitions, his entire career. What should he do? Was it compromise? Temptation. Sue was a bright young college freshman raised in a Christian home. She was attending a major state university. As she looked around, she saw all the extracurricular activities around her, the partying, the sleeping around, the alcohol and the drugs. It looked fun. Couldn't she just try it for a while? She would stay a Christian. Temptation. I've just described three true stories about temptation. Temptation. All of us experience temptation. It might be the temptation as we walk past the pretzel maker at the mall or Olson's ice cream. It might be the temptation to click on an internet photo and link that will most certainly lead to more and more revealing photos, video, or even live porn. The temptation to curse or flip off that obnoxious driver tailgating you on the freeway. The temptation to buy the latest and best computer, software, the video game or gadget, whatever it might be. Or the temptation to purchase just one more item of clothing that we don't need at the latest sale. If we made a list of temptations, it'd be a long list today. Temptation is something we all experience. And today we're going to talk about temptation. We're going to look at an event in the life of Jesus in which he he experienced temptation. Three weeks ago, we began a video series on, I mean, a sermon series on Jesus, his life, the chosen. We've attempted to use some video clips. When we use the video clips, we're trying to make it come alive so we can put ourselves in the story. Sometimes that helps. So we use video clips. We don't have one of those today. But the first message we covered three weeks ago found Jesus at the Jordan River being baptized by John the Baptist. And John declared, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, takes away the guilt, the power. We talked about guilt-free, how we are delivered from the guilt of sin. 
And after this event, Jesus went to the desert where he experienced something we all experience, temptation. Temptation. What were the temptations? Why was he tempted? What did Jesus do to fight temptation? And what can we learn in dealing with everyday occurrence that we call temptation? I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke 4. Luke 4. We're going to read the first 13 verses of Luke 4. It's also going to be on the projection. It's on page 834 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Luke 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Let's start by talking about the definition of temptation. What is temptation? Temptation is defined as to put to the test or to test. To put to the test or to test. First time we read about temptation is near the very beginning of human history. It's been around a long, long time. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan, our adversary, tempted Eve, and through Eve he he tempted Adam. And both Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation and they sinned against God. Round one, Satan won. That was his round one. Now the contest is between Satan and the Son of God. Now, just, just want to make a note today that if you do not believe in a real person called Satan or the devil, I just encourage you to stop and take another look. We cannot believe the Bible and believe that Satan does not exist. In fact, you can look around many evidences in the world today and know that Satan does exist. Some think he's a character of fiction, a guy in a red suit and a pointy tail, pointy ears and pointy toes just harassing children. And Satan, though he'd like us to believe it, is not a mythical character but a real spiritual being who acted in history and is very much alive and well acting in present day. Satan is described in the Bible as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, the serpent of old, the dragon, the accuser of the brethren. And he's real. And Satan does tempt us. No question. However, now some people say, I'm just going to blame the devil for everything I do wrong. So 
say, the devil made me do it. Well, we have to be careful that we don't blame the devil for all the bad things we do. In fact, James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each one, each one of us, is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So evil desire inside each and every one of us births sin. Sin brings forth death, which is spiritual separation from God. It alienates us in our relationship with God. So when we look at this passage, we realize that all of us have inside of us the seeds of our own destruction. Augustine said Satan can do no more than suggest. Only the tempted person can perform the wrong deed. So we, we commit it. We're responsible. Satan will tempt us, put thoughts in our mind, and try to get us to sin against God. Someone asked, can God tempt us? James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God does not tempt us, but he does lead us into situations and places where we are tempted or tested, or he allows us to be tempted. Jesus was fully God and fully human, and because of his humanity, he was not immune from suffering temptation. Neither are we. So temptations by Satan are suggestions or tests put into our life or mind in order to get us to sin against God to perform evil acts in thought, word, or deeds. Definition of temptation. So when are we tempted? Roman numeral two. When are we tempted? One of the curious parts of this passage that I find is that we're tempted when we're close to God. When we're close to God. It says here that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was fasting and praying over an extended period of time, 40 days, during which he was tempted. Now, I thought if I was really close to God, in the Word, if I was praying and fasting, I'd never be tempted. How many of you have ever thought that? Yeah. If I'm really close to God, I, I'm immune from temptation. It's not true. Even when we're close to God, we have the capacity to be tempted. It only takes a fleeting moment of time to take our eyes off of Jesus and place them on something else. We can't get a sense of false security, invincibleness, just because we are close to God. Should we be close to God? Absolutely. We should be as close to God as we can. Absolutely. But stay on guard. There's an interesting survey of temptation in a Christian magazine that asked one, one, a couple of questions. The first one was, when are you most likely to be tempted? When are you most likely to be tempted? 37% said after a significant spiritual victory. Wow. Great spiritual victory. And boom, 37%, that's the most likely time. Sometimes the most severe temptations come after a great spiritual victory or success. So we get tempted sometimes when we're really close to God. When are we tempted? Secondly, when in God's will. When in God's will. It says Jesus was led by the Spirit in the desert. He was led by the Spirit of God. He was 
moving completely in the will of his Father. See, you can be filled with the Spirit, anointed and walking in the center of God's will, and be subject to temptation? Absolutely. In fact, you will likely come under more attacks when you are close to God and in God's will than in any other time in your life. If you're not close to God, you're out of God's will, he's not going to mess with you. You're all messed up. But if you are pursuing God and you're in his will, that's when he's going to attack you, most likely. And whether we're fasting or praying to prepare for ministry as Jesus was, if we are impacting the kingdom of darkness and we're making a difference in people's lives around us, Satan is going to come at you. Just, just expect it. It's going to happen. There's a spiritual war going on there. We've talked about this time and again in series on spiritual warfare. When we're making a difference, the enemy is going to attack us. When are we tempted? When close to God. When in God's will. And thirdly, when we least expect it. When we least expect it. Unexpectedly. Surprise. Ambush. You look at what happened to Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament. Potiphar's wife. What happened? She ambushed him by surprise. Ambush. If we could only know and prepare and get ready for the next temptation, it'd be great. But most of the time, temptation comes totally out of the blue, unexpectedly. When tempted, fourthly, letter D, when we're tired or fatigued, tired or fatigued. Jesus had eaten nothing for 40 days. I always get the interesting thing. It says after 40 days of not eating, he was hungry. Duh. Okay. I, I kind of thought that was... Uh, an obvious statement, but it says he was hungry. He was weak physically and he was tired. And you and I are most vulnerable when we are fatigued, tired, emotionally spent, physically exhausted, or we just plain run down. And life does that to us. Every kind of challenge, sometimes you have multiple challenges and you get tired and get run down. And when you're in that position, we're vulnerable. In the same survey, the question asked, when are you most likely to face temptation, was asked this question. When are you most likely to face temptation? 57% said, when they've not had enough rest. They've not had enough rest. 81% said, when they have not spent much time with God. Oh, when they've not spent much time with God. I, I challenge people all the time to take daily time with God. And it can be reading a small passage of scripture in a prayer, it can be five minutes, it can be 50 minutes, whatever, but taking consistent time with God. It's like, it's like we have this distraction factor. When we start, and I, I don't know if you do it before you go to bed having devotions, but in the morning it just refocuses attention on who God is and what he's done and the values, all of that. It, it's like a restoration of that. Spending time with God. So why are we tempted? Number three, why are we tempted? First of all, it's God's plan to strengthen us. It's God's plan to strengthen us. Temptation strengthens us if we resist and do not give in. Now, if we give in, we can grow weaker. If we do not grow give in, we can grow stronger. 
How many of you have ever pumped iron or lifted weights? Okay. You may not look that much anymore, but you know, at some time in our life, we, we pumped iron, lifted weights. It's resistance training. And the more resistance there is, the heavier the weights, the stronger we get. Some of you may have had tests of endurance. Maybe you uh, trained for a triathlon where you swim a mile, bike 50 miles, and run 26 miles. Uh, maybe you're training for a, a very long distance hike like in the Grand Canyon, like what Greg has done. You know, that's how, how many miles is that? 27 miles, okay. And it's not just a nice, easy path. I mean, it's down, I mean, it's and in probably 105 to 110 degree heat, okay. He trained for that. He got, he got ready for that. It's interesting, Lance Armstrong, when he was training for his bicycle competition in the Tour de France, would bike uphill at 30 miles an hour. He would bike uphill at 30 miles an hour. I can bike 25 miles an hour. Downhill, not, not uphill. Well, instead of looking at temptation as a negative, we need to look at temptation in the positive light. Tests can make us stronger. Tests challenge us to become stronger. It's like resistance training. So why are we tempted? Secondly, it's God's preparation to use us. It's God's preparation to use us. Jesus was fasting and praying for 40 days. The tests were, during that time were part of his preparation for ministry. Preparation for ministry. One summer I signed up to run a half marathon, 13 miles, and I didn't know if I could what it was like to run 13 miles. I didn't know if I could make it. So I was training 8 miles a day to 10 miles a day. So three days before the race, I tested myself by running the 13-mile course to see if I could run that far. That's not a good idea. Don't ever do that. But I did, I did make it, and I did make it three days later. But the test was preparation for the real thing. And God has a plan for every one of us, a race and a journey. And dealing with temptation is part of that process of getting us ready. What can, can God trust you with? What can he trust you with? The more he wants to trust you with, the more responsibility he's going to give you, the more he will allow you to be tempted and tested. You say, don't sign me up. I don't want that. Well, you know, God has his own plan. James 1, 2-4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Preparation. Why are we tempted? Probably one of the more obvious ones is it's the devil's plan to destroy us. He wants to destroy us. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants to destroy us. He has an awful plan for your life. God has a great plan for our life. He loves us. Satan has an awful plan. And his plan is to destroy us. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's what he does. He's looking... To devour. And we must be aware. And it comes through many times. 
temptation. So how are we tempted? How are we tempted? In what areas are we tempted? One of the biggest ones is dependence on God. Dependence on God. This has to do with trust. Now, to really understand this account, we have to go to the Old Testament. In fact, to understand Luke, we really have to go back to Genesis. And understanding any of the New Testament, we need to begin with Genesis and the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, the first temptation recorded began with Satan saying, Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? See, in Luke, Satan used the words of God, but he twisted the meaning so that it wasn't truth. Did God really say? The test or temptation of Adam and Eve back then ended in failure. Today, of course, it's different. Now, I, I don't have time to unpack all of the, um, all of the parts of that, that apply to this, but there are three significant tests accompanied by failures in the book of Exodus that, that kind of run parallel to this passage. The first one has to do with manna or food. This is a test of dependence. In Exodus 16.4, it says, In this way I will test them and see whether they follow instructions. When they were going out in the wilderness, God said to the nation of Israel, um, You're in the desert, and I'm going to send you food every day. Okay? Now it's manna. And I know they got sick of manna every day, but they go out every day, and there was manna. But he said, There will be manna for six days, on the sixth day, gather enough for two days because on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there won't be any manna. Okay? And they had manna. They had all kinds of manna. I, I'm sure they found creative ways to fix it. You know, um, but manna bread, manna kati, you know, those kinds of things. But basically, they found manna every day. And it was a test of dependence on God. God said, I'm going to give you this. And, you know, they did that for 40 years. 40 years, they ate manna. Then there was water, which had to do with thirst. They said, they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Again, this test of dependence on God. Test of dependence on God. We like to be self-sufficient. And we don't want to have to depend on anybody else, especially God. But God said, I'm going to teach you dependence. And he taught that. And, and these these passage, this passage of Jesus with, with the bread and, and the, the, the rock and all of that stuff has to do with that. Then there was the worship of other gods. The test of worshiping other gods. This was all dependence on God. Did God really say, can I really trust him? And in the Old Testament, they had to, as they walked through the wilderness, say, I'm going to believe that my dependence on God is valid. And these tests of Jesus, these temptations of Jesus, mirror those tests in the book of Exodus. In verses 3 and 4, it said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. We live by more than bread. No. If you're like me, you like to save up and store, and you can hoard. If you go to the store, you like to get a week's or a month's worth of groceries. How many of you guys stock up on groceries? Okay, 
I know, I see you guys at Sam's Club. Yeah. We, we, we go and we stock up. We want to guarantee our future. Okay? Well, when it comes to God's provision, we can't store up and hoard those things. Nothing wrong with saving and storing up, but as long as they don't replace our dependence on God. Why was this a sin for Jesus? Because this would have been a sin because he would have used, he would have used his powers to supply his personal physical needs. I don't know if we do that. What was wrong with turning stone into bread? It's prostituting his gift for physical needs instead of trusting God as Heavenly Father to take care of it. Now, temptation usually sounds logical. I don't know if I've ever encountered a temptation that didn't sound logical. Well, that makes sense. And if we're possessed or obsessed with physical or personal gratification, Satan will come at us with logical temptations. If it feels good, do it. How can it be so wrong if it feels so right? No one will be hurt. No one will even know. I was born with my sex drive. Certainly God understands I need to gratify it. Food is to, good. It's to be eaten. So what if I eat too much? Or the obsession with exercise or dieting. The focus entirely on the physical. Satan will test us logically. Why would God want me to stay in an uncomfortable marriage? Doesn't he want me to be happy? I haven't asked that question before. We're going to get married anyway. What's wrong with premarital sex? Besides, everyone lives together before marriage. We want to try it out first. Tempting, tempting us logically for personal gratification. The world's logic problem. Dependence on God. That was the first thing. Do we depend on God? And we are in a time in our nation. I mean, I, I, I look at the news and I see what's happening. It's, it's absolutely insane. And the tendency is to depend on self, depend on us, depend on our, our leaders, our government. Our dependence is not there. Our dependence has to be on God. That doesn't mean we're not engaged or not involved. And we need to pray. But this whole thing of dependence on God is a huge thing today. Next, there's compromise. Compromise. In verses 5 to 7, Jesus, Satan offered Jesus a shortcut. He said, you can have all this if you just worship me. And it, it's a shortcut. Shortcuts, compromise or shortcuts are a way of life. Whether it's a commute to work or studying for a test, don't read the book, just read the cliff notes. Anybody, you don't have to admit to that. Satan tempted Jesus here with a shortcut, a compromise. Get a kingdom, have it now, instant success, no sacrifice, pain, or compromise. How many of us will compromise to gain in the short run? taking shortcuts to success, compromising our in eternal destiny for physical success now. That's why Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And Jesus said, no, I will not compromise. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's eternal. It will last forever. I cannot compromise. I cannot take a shortcut. And he knew, and as we go through this series on the life of Jesus, my kingdom will take time. It will take struggle. It will require sacrifice. It will even take my death. 
but I will not compromise. I will not take a shortcut. Satan offered Jesus an instant kingdom without struggle, without suffering. And Jesus said no. He said, it is written. And he set his face towards humiliation, hardship, and suffering. Rubbing shoulders with humanity, people that we may consider scum of the earth, sinners, prostitutes, adulterers, drug dealers, sex traffickers, diseased, lame and blind, dirty, stinking humanity, men and women with evil, depraved, selfish hearts. He walked, he ate, he laughed, he hugged, he cried with them all. And one day, he died for them. And us. Jesus said, my kingdom is far greater than the one you, Satan, are offering me. I will not compromise. Why? Love. Love. Simple love. Our reason for saying no to the temp temptation of compromise is love. Love for God. Love for family. Love for children. The people of God. The people that God is using us to reach for Jesus Christ. I will not compromise. How was Jesus tempted? How are we tempted? Let us see. Personal presumption. What does that mean? Personal presumption. Verse, verses 9 to 11. Jesus was tempted to risk his life arbitrarily and expect God to protect him. This would be similar to just using God for our own ends, using my freedom for evil, what it might be. Sue, the, the college student in my introduction, came to me one day for counseling. She was actually trying to get my okay for illicit behavior. And she said this to me, and I quote, she said, I want to drink if I want to. I want to party. I want to be free to use drugs and try them. I want to have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want. I want to try it for a while, she said. I will come back. My answer to her, there are no guarantees you'll ever come back to God. You may have fun, but lose your soul. Is it worth the risk? Presuming on God's goodness. God will forgive me. God will never leave me nor forsake me. True, God is forgiving. God is constant, but will you come back? It's not for us to put God to the test. It's another aspect of using God for my ends. If I just have enough faith, believe strongly enough, I can have whatever I want from God. One writer states, to these, faith is not placed in God, but is a power directed at God, which forces him to do what we have believed he will do. This, this makes God subject to, quote, laws that we can activate by faith. That's not, that's not why God answers prayer. God answers prayer on the basis of his sovereignty, his wisdom, and grace, not because of some law that manipulates him. Using God for my own ends, using my freedom for evil. And Satan said, if you are the Son of God, the idea is since you are the Son of God. This is what I want you to do. 
At the beginning, in temptation, Adam failed. The nation of Israel failed. Jesus succeeded. And we rest in his finished work. And we're credited not with our own righteousness, but with his righteousness that he gained for us at the cross. So how do we fight temptation? Very quickly. How do we fight temptation? James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God. Just say yes. Just say yes to God. Resist the devil. Just say no. Okay? Quote the word of God. Jesus said three times, It is written. And if necessary, and this isn't in this passage, but it is all throughout the Bible. If necessary, run. <laughs> run. Joseph did it. Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust. Run. But ultimately, we need to resist our temptation to act independently of God the Father, trying to cash in on our special relationship with God for health and wealth, minus suffering. Jesus' success at resisting temptation demonstrates that we too can resist temptation. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, he sympathizes. But we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. I take great, great hope in that. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He says then, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Some people ask, how can Jesus sympathize with us because he never sinned? He never gave in to temptation. He never sinned. Well, sympathy with a sinner tempted does not depend on experiencing sin. Jesus never did. Identifying with us depends on Jesus experiencing the strength of the temptation to sin. The strength of the temptation. Let me illustrate that. Since you and I often succumb to temptation, we don't really know how strong temptation can be. Let, let's say we have a temptometer, okay? A temptometer. It measures temptation in, in megatemps from zero to 100, okay? Just figure that out, okay? The first person gives in and sins at 27 megatemps. They know what 27 megatemps is like, and oh, that's tough. Another one gives in at 52 megatemps. They made it all the way to 52 megatemps before they gave in. One does very well, but still gives in to sin, experiencing 97 megatemps. So they experience 27 megatemps and 52 megatemps and 97 megatemps, but all of them eventually sinned. Jesus experienced all 100 megatemps and didn't sin. He knows what it's like to experience the full range and strength of temptation because he never gave in. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. 
not a theory. It's not some theological concept. This is the person of Jesus who has experienced and knows what it's like to be tempted. That's who's with us. That's who's with us. I don't know what your temptation is today. I don't know what your test is right now. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In verse 13 in Luke 4, it says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus was going to be tempted again. We will too. But God, God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've experienced and you understand all that we've experienced. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us that as a word of victory and an understanding that we know that we can overcome temptation. And Father, I just pray that we would believe that and embrace it and know it and that we'd have victory in that. In Jesus' name.